Hello, everybody. We've got a hell of an episode for you guys today. Today's podcast is solely devoted to the plant Kratom. Now, we're going to have a little bit of a different format. See, the first half of the episode is going to be me talking about my experience with this plant and then giving some basic background information for those of you who may not really understand what this plant is or what it's used for. Now, the second half, I'm actually going to be bringing in my good friend, Christopher Ward. Now, Chris Ward is an actual biochemist, and the point of bringing him in is for him to actually discuss the various alkaloids that are in this plant, what they do once you put the stuff in your body, and maybe some other things from a chemical standpoint that people need to take into consideration. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the Leaving Weakness Podcast. It's a song. You like discipline. Five got news for you. You're not gonna have your mommy's run behind you anymore and wipe your little douches. Oh no, it's time now to turn this mush into muscles. Hey everybody, today we are going to talk about Kratom, or Kratom, however you want to pronounce it. Um, the reason why I want to talk about this is I personally am a big fan of this stuff, but there's a huge kind of debate, if you will, about whether Kratom is some sort of new opioid death drug or if it's a wonderful new nat natural medicine. So let's talk about Kratom here and talk about what it is and what it isn't. So Kratom is a plant that, like I said, has a lot of controversy around it, and much of that is due to the misunderstanding of the plant's proper use and its abilities. Now, many people are using this to replace a lot of big pharma's more uh, controversial products, and there hasn't been a single death attributed to its use since 2019 uh, when this podcast you're listening to was recorded. Now, that's one of the reasons why I suspect that there's kind of, if you will, a political war being waged between, um, you know, political leaders, whether this plant should be made a, a scheduled substance. See, Big Pharma doesn't really like a whole lot of competition, if you know what I mean. But the amount of people that the plant has actually helped is really, really amazing. Now, I personally love Kratom, like I said, and I, I prefer using it uh, over alcohol to relax later in the day. But, but that's not to say that Kratom doesn't have a few downsides or side effects. So, Kratom is actually a tropical tree, or a large bush, uh, which is native to the countries in Southeast Asia. And it's gained a lot of attention due to possessing opioid and stimulant-like properties, depending on which strain that you get. Um, now, I first heard of this stuff back in 2016 on the Joe Rogan podcast, whenever he had uh, the filmmaker Chris Bell on the show, and Chris is known for his documentary, Bigger, Faster, Stronger, but he also completed another film called uh, Prescription Thugs. And Prescription Thugs is a documentary about the pharmaceutical industry and the overwhelming prescription drug addiction with opioids uh, sweeping across America right now. Ironically, Chris got addicted to 
prescription opioids during production of this documentary and couldn't come off of them no matter what he did. And in that podcast on Joe Rogan, Chris basically told Joe Rogan that Kratom was the only thing that allowed him to kick his addiction. Now, Kratom has come under a lot of heat over the past couple years, but it also has a, a lot of support from people who have used it to treat chronic pain and kick a lot of those life-destroying addictions. I decided to collect as much information as I could uh, to compose you know, this podcast for people wanting to know more about it. And I have also decided to give Kratom a try a few years ago to try and give an unbiased opinion on this plant. So let's talk about the benefits of taking Kratom. The benefits differ heavily off what color or strain you're using. Now, you know, you have green Kratom, you have red Kratom, and uh, you have white Kratom. And those colors aren't because of the actual leaf. It's the veins that run through the leaf. So the benefits, pain relief. Kratom quickly relieves pain uh, by causing the body to release serotonin and dopamine, which dull the pain receptors. This opioid-like trait is by far the most common application for Kratom. A lot of people also find that it helps relieve anxiety because Kratom produces an overwhelming sense of calmness and is often used to help with symptoms of chemical imbalances such as chronic stress, anxiety, and depression. Now this next one, this next benefit, I think is probably the most important. Pharmaceutical addiction recovery. So due to certain strains possessing strong opioid-like traits, People have been using Kratom to get off of prescription painkillers. Now, supplementing with Kratom is allowing those who are struggling to stay clean an ability to do so without the crash and other negative side effects because it's nowhere near as addictive as prescription uh, opioids. Improved energy levels. Um, Certain strains of Kratom, primarily the white strain, uh, help improve the metabolic process and help fight symptoms of uh, fatigue. And the other thing with Kratom, and you don't really hear people talk about this as much, is it does help provide some improved cognitive function. And again, this is mainly the, the white Kratom, but it can help improve mental alertness and help users to feel stimulated. Let's talk about the various colors and strains, because this next part, I want this to kind of be like a... Um, informational guide so what's the difference between the various type of plants because i mean if you go into a place that sells kratom or you go online and you start looking through the different types of kratom it's kind of overwhelming because you like green bali and red mangda and there's dozens of them so like i said there's a shitload of different kinds of strays of kratom but in order to keep this simple, we're going to divide it up into three different color strains. The colors, like I said earlier, they're not derived from the leaves, but rather the color of the veins and stems that run through the leaves. Each color variation results in a completely different effect from one another due to having completely different chemical makeups. So first, let's do the white kratom. 
The best way that I can describe white kratom is very similar to feeling kind of like using nootropics. Most users associate the white strains as being more stimulating and enhancing like positive moods, almost like a light euphoria. And um, it also, it, a lot of people use this in place of stimulants like caffeine because it promotes cognitive alertness. Then we've got the green kratom. Now this is this is my favorite strain of kratom. Green kratom kind of falls in the middle of the white and red strains because it helps alleviate pain like the red strains without causing you to feel over over relaxed or maybe even to the point of drowsiness because you're so relaxed. But like the white strains, it also helps promote and enhance positive mood. So this strain is often taken by people who have had issues with social anxiety or introverted people who need to feel more comfortable in social settings. Now, I do like a drink every now and then. And, um, you know, I prefer to use green kratom throughout long work days rather than having a few drinks because it does relax me, um, but it also kind of makes me feel more comfortable and alleviates anxiety to where I can function and focus on my work but also feel relaxed at the same time. Now you get into the red kratom. So this is kind of the most hardcore, if you will, and that's kind of silly to say, uh, but it's kind of like the most hardcore of all the kratoms. So red-veined kratom is the most popular strain currently being sold. Uh, this strain is known to relieve pain, relax muscle tissue, and provides a strong feeling, a very strong feeling of calmness or re relaxation. Many people use the red kratoms to help treat insomnia, uh, muscle soreness, symptoms of chronic pain, yada, yada, yada. But the red vein is often used as kind of like a neural replacement to pharmaceutical painkillers. Um, and a lot of people are successfully treating withdrawals from opioid addiction by using the stronger strains of red kratom. Now, you know, I've know several people um, that use Kratom, and the, I, I've seen people get off of prescription opioids by using Kratom. Now, is Kratom addictive? You know, that's the big question. Some people say it isn't. Some people say it is. Most folks within the Kratom community claim that it's not addictive. However, I have found testimonies of several who claim otherwise. And after listening to their stories and coming to my own conclusion from using it myself, it basically, it's like a lot of other stuff. If it's abused, it can become habit-forming. My take on that is if you take large doses on a daily basis, you will become dependent on it. Um, the human body is always trying to remain at a balanced level of homeostasis. So when the brain becomes accustomed to having a compound constantly provided to it, there's going to be symptoms of withdrawal when you start taking that shit away. I mean, that's common sense, birds and bees shit. But this is a common thing with many things that humans consume. Just think about people that drink coffee every morning or have a pre-workout before they go to the gym. Um... 
they too will have negative withdrawal symptoms if you take away their daily source of caffeine. You know, for example, I mean, if you drink coffee every morning whenever you get up and have for years, like most people, try to go a week without drinking caffeine and see if you don't get like severe headaches and drowsiness and, you know, lethargy throughout the day because you're going through caffeine withdrawals. But the point that I'm trying to get across here is that you have to have common sense with this stuff just like anything else unless you have some sort of medical condition like fibromyalgia or severe like anxiety issues there's no reason to be taking huge amounts of kratom every single day you have to cycle off of that shit you know what i do is i take kratom you know three sometimes four days a week you know and i'll have a day or two in between whenever i'm using um that because i mean and i'll be completely honest with you there was a time where you know i've had issues with my elbows before and that's due to working on rental properties by myself and just doing dumb shit and lifting heavy in the gym but there was a part earlier on this year where i was on kratom taking pretty big doses of kratom every day for probably four or five weeks and it was against my better judgment, but uh, my elbow was absolutely killing me. Like, I was having a very difficult time even going to the gym and doing anything that involved the elbow, whether it was a pull-up or getting on the bench and pressing, you know, any of that stuff was pretty much off limits. And my fucking elbow was fucking killing me. And, um, you know, like I said, used Kratom a little too long, and then um, I started using some peptides to actually heal my elbow. I was using TB500 and BPC-157 and doing some pretty generous injections of those in, in my elbow, and it actually healed my elbow within a week. And it's been doing fine ever since. But I had an issue coming off of that cradle, man. I'm not going to lie. I was probably went... On the third day of being completely off the cradle, I started feeling nauseated, kind of sick to my stomach, um, kind of had a little bit of a headaches, and that lasted a good four days. So, um, you know, just kind of had kratom sickness. So it does have addictive properties, you know, if, if you're not intelligent about it. And I'm just being honest with you guys because uh, I always try to be a straight shooter. You just have to have common sense and remember that more is not always better, okay? I've read many recreational users find that they only reach, that once they reach like the feeling of euphoria, they made the mistake of taking more. Then they found themselves at the point of diminishing returns because they start to feel like shit and soon lose that euphoric state. And this is really the, the biggest kind of downfall with kratom that i experienced um if you take too much of it you will feel a little nauseated now i don't know if that's the body just kind of sensing that you're giving it too much of something so it starts to you know make it come out i, I don't know but i found that once you find a dose that works you just kind of stick with it um now <laughs> i'll tell you a, fu a funny story probably the second or third time I had ever used Kratom, you know, I took it kind of earlier in the day because I had a huge workload and 
had a bunch of people I had to go meet up for like a, a real estate thing that I was working on. And, um, you know, kind of got a little bit of that euphoric, relaxed feeling that, that I like from Kratom. And, you know, later on in the afternoon, it started wearing off. So I was like, oh, fuck, you know, I'm going to take some more of it, you know, because I still got a shitload of stuff to do. And this is several hours later. I took another dose of Kratom. And, man, I I just got sick and started throwing up because the body basically has a point where it says, this is the most amount of Kratom I will allow you ha- to have per day. And if you try and redose it to get that buzz, you're going to get sick as fuck. So be smart with Kratom. Moderation is the key here. Now, is Kratom legal? There is a huge fight to to keep it legal in every state because many people see it as a life-saving medicine. And I agree with that. I do. Um, However, since it acts on the same opioid receptors as prescription painkillers, the FDA and the DA see it as just another drug. And let's face the facts here. Anytime big pharma cells are impacted, someone... Well, something is going to be made illegal and someone is going to be used to make an example of. So, as of the time of recording this podcast um, in November of 2019, uh, here are the, uh, the, the states where it is currently illegal. So, Tennessee, Indiana, Wisconsin, Vermont, Alabama, and Arkansas. All right, so the most important thing, if, if you're interested in getting some Kratom, the most important thing is to find a quality supplier. Do not, do, and I repeat, do fucking not buy Kratom from a fucking gas station or a tobacco shop. Only purchase this from a certified supplier with quality control. Now, there's some good companies um, like Happy Hippo, Coastline Kratom, um, Optimized Botanicals, all of those companies are, are great quality. I strongly suggest sticking with one of those brands. Otherwise, there's no telling what's going to be mixed in with that shit that you bought from the idiot working down the street at a gas station. Because those companies that I mentioned actually get like microbial testing, making sure that there's not like salmonella or some other bullshit laced in there. Um, I don't really like the doped up groggy feeling with being on painkillers. So I was a little, um, hesitant to try like the red strain and I tried it last, uh, or whenever I started using Kratom. However, you know, some of those joint issues in my elbows, um, I'd rather take Kratom than take a very liver toxic medicine like Tylenol Um, because you know years of weightlifting and rehabbing working on those rental properties and all that shit I mean it's taking a toll on joints like I said earlier Uh, and Kratom did help provide relief it absolutely did Um, however like I said earlier I'm more of a fan of the green strain because it worked more towards like the cognitive side of things but also provided um some pain relief also. And I, I personally have fleeting issues with feeling uh, kind of hesitant to let loose in social settings, kind of like a, a social anxiety. 
and I really like nootropics and all, all of the I, I feel like the green kratom is kind of like the perfect balance between the white and the red and I feel like kratom is a way safer alternative than using pharmaceutical drugs for people who are looking for serious pain relief the only problem that you're going to have is I've noticed a huge trend with like local newspapers and things where they're talking about Kratom, you know, this new drug that's destroying the youth and blah, 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 blah. And it seems to me that the the common theme there is that people that talk shit about Kratom, um, they don't really know that much about it. You know, they don't understand the benefits that come with it. And I'm not sitting here trying to make Kratom to be the greatest thing that God ever put on this earth um but i'm also not trying to make it into this opioid death drug you know it has amazing benefits you just have to be smart how you use it um and i certainly think that in the age of the american opioid epidemic crisis that we're in this should be looked at something to really help with this whole problem that we're having because it's just one of those things, you know, I read a study, I can't remember the exact numbers, but there was a study that I read about the amount of prescription opioids that are given out by doctors, and it was like the amount of pills that were prescribed per year were more than enough to keep every single man, woman, and child and probably their fucking pets too, doped up for an entire millennia. I mean, it was it was something like that. You know, those numbers aren't 100% correct, <laughs> but it was some astronomical number. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, why do would they would we be uh, you know giving out this much fucking painkillers? And it just leads me to believe that most of that shit's going to end up on the streets, and that's why it's being given out like fucking candy. And, you know, I'm seeing, I'm, I am in an area of the country where I am seeing people's lives being ruined by this shit. You know, people selling things that they should not be selling in order to get their fix on painkillers. So, anyways, guys, that's my take on Kratom. All right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to plug a few advertisements from some of our sponsors. Then after that, we're going to bring in biochemist Chris Ward to talk to us about his take on Kratom. So a lot of people know I've been a huge supporter of Kratom, and it's played a major role in my sobriety. Um, I think it's a wonderful uh, herbal medicine if used responsibly. And I've actually got a new Kratom company that I've been working with, and they are called Elevated Botanics. And this company not only has Kratom, they also have some really high-quality uh, CBD products that are all locally sourced. And they also have things like kava, they have mushroom blends, things like that. Uh, they do free shipping for all orders, which is very rare. And every single order actually gets free samples of different Kratom strands. So if you like order two or three different Kratoms, they'll send you a sample of something that you did not purchase. Great company to work with. Um, good customer service. They do third-party testing on their site. Um, 
got a coupon code for 10% off, Leaving Weakness. And their website is elevatedbotanics.com. 10% off coupon code is Leaving Weakness. Give them a try. You won't be disappointed. Chris, thanks for coming on to the podcast. This is going to be a first for a lot of our audience because they probably don't know who you are, but you and I have a, a pretty longstanding and good relationship. I wanted to kind of get your take as an actual chemist on what you think about Kratom and maybe some of the things that folks should know from a biochemist standpoint. Sure. So I, I think that the best thing to do is we can start uh, just by covering the basics that um, – what what kratom is um what's inside of it why people are drawn to it do you want to kind of introduce yourself a little bit so they yeah, can kind of, you know plug your website and everything absolutely <laughs> so um so we'll we'll start from the beginning my name is chris ward um i've been involved in research and uh formulation and manufacturing of supplements uh research regarding Oh, nutrition, fitness, drugs, everything that uh, everything that I think most of your your listeners would be interested in. Uh, well over fifteen years, um, I became interested in it in high school, and then um, due to that interest, I ended up going to college for biochemistry. So I have a four year degree in biochemistry, um, and since then I've just continued to uh, research drugs and and pharmaceuticals and supplements and. Um, I have a website, radical-research.com, where I basically just uh, I, I go through my I, I go through my learning process uh, whenever I study or research a drug or a chemical or a supplement. Uh, basically, I take the way that I learn about it and I put it down on paper and then I put it on the website so other people can utilize it as well. So that's a I no longer work in the space, but that's a hobby that I have, and I'm just uh, happy to put it out there for people to read. And you also have a pretty badass Instagram too. Instagram as well. Yep. I haven't been as active as I should be on there lately, but we'll, uh, you know, we'll get some stuff pumping as uh, the winter months come and I have more time on my hands. The Instagram as well is uh, radical underscore research. What do you think about Kratom? Is it an opioid death drug or is it a life changing natural herbal medicine? I would say it's an herbal medicine, which I think that uh, in our current state, especially, especially with the opioid em- epidemic, um, it is probably pretty useful and uh, definitely should be looked at further in research. Uh, I hope to see clinical trials. Um, I hope to not see it um, scheduled in a schedule one where it's difficult to research or difficult to obtain. I think that there's value in it. I also think at the same time that it needs to be respected. The use of it should be respected as well. Uh, as with anything, I, I don't know. How do you feel on it, Scott? What is your, what's your opinion? Is that, are you along the same lines with that? I think it's like anything, man. I think um, it can be abused if you let it be abused. And, Correct. But I really do think that it has some really powerful and wonderful abilities to help people out that are struggling with certain addictions or dealing with certain like mental issues, like chronic stress and things like that. How, what is it that's in Kratom that actually makes it work the way that it does? Okay. So, um, Kratom, the, the scientific name for it is Mitragyna speciosa, which you'll, you know, anytime you're searching the internet, you'll see that within that species, there are several different strains The the plant, the tree, it's a tree, actually, it grows in uh, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Myanmar, uh, Papua New Guinea. So, you know, depending where these things come from, you're going to have a varying in something called alkaloids. Alkaloids are simply just chemicals that are present in the plant. 
And a lot of these alkaloids have uh, bioactive properties. They're going to act on receptors in your body to produce some sort of effect. Kratom specifically has more than, I think it's, it's around or more than 40 alkaloids. So that's a considerable amount of uh, alkaloids in there. That's a um, shitload. That's a it is. shitload. It is. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, the, the alkaloids, they act on your, your opioid receptors and you, your monoaminergic receptors. So monoaminergic being adrenergic, excuse me, adrenergic, uh, serotonergic, and dopaminergic. So, you know, uh, you'll hear with uh, some stimulants, they act on the adrenergic system as well as the dopaminergic system, uh, serotonin, you'll know from antidepressants and stuff like that. Those are a lot of receptors and a lot of alkaloids. So there's a lot of functions happening in your body once you ingest this stuff. The most abundant alkaloid, and uh, I would say the most discussed and most sought after is uh, metrogenine. You'll see that you'll see that in a lot of the information as well. Um, depending the region that it comes from, you're going to have anywhere from, I believe it's as low as 12%. And as high as 66% metrogenine, uh, make, that's percentage making up the total uh, amount of alkaloids in the plant. 7-hydroxymetrogenine, which is a, a stronger, um, I'll call it not a metabolite, but a, uh, a stronger derivative of metrogenine, uh, makes up uh, 2% of the, around 2% of the, the total alkaloids. However, um, the 7-hydroxymetrogenine is a pretty, it's a, you know, it's in a smaller amount in the plant. But it's pretty interesting in that it's uh, it's 30 times stronger than metrogenine, and it's actually 17 times stronger than morphine. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. However, it, it acts um, – I believe morphine – so all of the these two alkaloids I'm talking about, metrogenine, 7-hydroxymetrogenine, uh, and then separately uh, morphine, these act on the opioid receptor. Um, and that's why they, they're so popular and they're sought after because they're um, – you know, as – as demonized as the opioid receptor is, I mean, there's, there's tremendous therapeutic use for it. That's why so many opioids exist and are prescribed and are taken. Uh, and we'll just right now ignore the fact of, of, of problems that come with that. And we'll just talk about the, you know, the positive therapeutic use. Now, even though it's 17 times stronger uh, than the, the morphine, uh, it, it is a, I believe it's a partial agonist to the receptor. So it binds a little differently. And then you have to remember that you have all these different alkaloids in the plant as well. So some of these alkaloids, I believe there may be some that actually antagonize the opioid receptor as well. So it's going to affect the, the binding of these. So it's not necessarily going to be uh, as strong as morphine if you're taking Kratom. If you were to isolate 7-hydroxymetrogenine, that may be a different story. But when you're taking the, you know, as an extract, as a plant, it's going to operate uh, differently than, uh, than just, just the single drug itself. A lot of the research out there is not, uh, it's not, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of room for improvement on the research. A lot of the stuff doesn't really tell us exactly how these things work. Um, you know, some of the research says that these metrogenine uh, derivatives are partial agonists. Uh, I think there's a lesser amount of research that says it's a full agonist of the, of the opioid receptor. So we don't know exactly its interaction. There's also, it shows that they interact, there's, there's uh, three main types of opioid receptors. You have the, um, the one I previously mentioned, the mu opioid receptor. You have delta opioid receptor, receptor and the kappa opioid receptor. Um, the mu opioid receptor is the one that is targeted the most among opioids because it's responsible for the analgesic effect that you know, it gives you the pain relief, uh, euphoria that would be associated with the recreational use, and then also the negative side, the addiction. So 
So the mu opioid is really involved in a lot of the stuff that, um, that as a society that we seek after. Um, now, the interactions with the delta and the kappa opioid receptors uh, are, are not fully understood. So, so like I said, there needs to be more research to really understand how how the interactions happen. Um, and, and again, it all depends on the alkaloids. And, and from each region, you're going to have different amounts of alkaloids. That's why you'll find, you know, users will find uh, certain strains will give a little more energy or, you know, a little more sedation, a little more euphoria. And that all depends on, on how all these chemicals are, are present in certain percentages in the plants. So do you feel like the different strains of Kratom? Because I've, I've heard some different things that the, the different strains of Kratom, like the red Kratoms and the white Kratoms and all the different uh, types that fall underneath the, the different veined colored plants. I've heard that there are different species of Kratom, but I've also heard some people that are in the Kratom industry tell me that, and you might not know anything about this, sure. but they've said that they've kind of heard from their suppliers that all that's bullshit and it's just dependent on the age of the tree. And as the tree gets older, it starts taking on different um, properties and the chemicals become different. That could be. Um, I know that in plants, uh, you know, my, my specialty is not necessarily in uh, botany. I t tend to uh, focus more on small molecules like specific drugs, but I do know that um, uh, plants that produce these type of alkaloids, it, it, there's many factors. Uh, if you think of people that are growing weed um, or marijuana, um, you'll find that this it's all the same species. It's marijuana is all the same thing, right? It's all the same plant, but depending how you grow it. So, so is it outdoors? Is it indoors? What kind of stressors have been on it? What has it been fed? You know, it's like anything, the environment is going to breed a certain type of species or excuse me, a certain uh, profile of the species, right? So, so a certain strain of weed may have more THC or more CBD or more cannabinoids. And, and in the same way as that, these plants, depending on, on where they're grown, how they're grown, you know, what they've been exposed to, what region they're in, there's going to be um, slight differences in the content of the alkaloids. Um, the research, from what I know from the research that I saw, um, like I think I mentioned before, the, the Thai the, the plant of um, Mitragyna speciosa has far more metrogenine in it. So just that that, that we know alone, we know that different regions are going to have different content. Now, as to whether all that red vein and, you know, all, all those, all those names, maybe they don't mean much. Um, but, but I think that uh, you will find different qualities, uh, different profiles of alkaloids that are going to have a different effect as you take it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I know that like whenever I use Kratom, I like the green a whole lot because it's more of like a like a de-stressor you i use that in place in, of alcohol instead of using alcohol i use kratom but if i use the red i guess that one binds harder or or more tightly to the opioid receptor or because the red has me basically slumped over in the bed drooling on myself <laughs> you know? yeah so perhaps that has a higher higher concentration of what we mentioned, metrogenine or higher 7-hydroxymetrogenine and maybe less of the other alkaloids that negatively interact with the opioid receptor, or there, uh, there might be some other things that, you know, some other receptors going on. There may be some, uh, 
serotonin and, and uh, may, I, I don't know that there's any effect on the GABA receptors, but, but maybe inadvertently, I know that you can affect GABA through a serotonergic pathway. So, so like I said, there's, there's not too much understanding on this plan. Uh, we understand very, very little. And there's not too much research as, either. So, so it's kind of speculation at this point how a lot of this stuff works. We just have to take the little facts that we do know and try to use uh, logic to, to apply them to this. Since, since you understand um, like supplement science really well, I have heard from several people, because a lot of times people use Kratom to get off of other things. And if they don't cycle off, they have to keep bumping up the dose, right? Right. Uh, to get that same effect. Well, some of those people have told me that they've been able to lower that dose back down by supplementing with Agmatine with the Kratom. Interesting. Now, I wasn't aware of that. Um, but I'm just trying to, I'm actually, I just pulled up the pharmacology of Agmatine now. And I'm trying to see if there's something that would interact, uh, that would that would enhance it. Yeah, so there, so there is some uh, neurotransmitter receptor interactions with agmatine. So what I'm assuming is that, uh, oh, if it, uh, if there, there may be some um, co-interaction. Uh, it, so if you have a receptor, um, receptors have several binding points. You can have one molecule that will bind to a receptor in another spot and actually enhance the binding. Of, so say that, say you have uh, now I'm, I'm just using this as an example a hypothetical this isn't a fact I'm just thinking out loud say you have metrogenine uh, and it has some serotonergic uh, activity and then agmatine uh, does as well but it binds the serotonin receptor in another spot say agmatine binds and changes the conformation of the receptor and now metrogenine fits in more easily so that that that's a relationship that can happen i'm not sure the the interaction between agmatine and that we'll have i'll have to look into that maybe we can uh, put out a little something about that so maybe that pseudoscience isn't maybe actually has some grounded science oh, behind yeah, it. yeah yeah that's what you'll find a lot of the a lot of the times that you hear this stuff that's you know some bro science is complete garbage or, or this and that but a lot of the times you'll hear these things and be like what the hell is that about and then a few years later you find out oh wow that you know that was for this reason. There's an actual scientific reason that people were saying this. Now, our our good mutual friend, Chris Broad, told me that one thing that he does um, whenever he takes Kratom is he will actually take dairy with Kratom to make it kick in faster. Okay. Because, you know, like it'll, it could sometimes take like an hour or two before the Kratom will actually kick in after you ingest it. Sure. Um, which... I, I don't know. My first thought would be, and again, this is something I'm I'm not sure of, but uh, metrogenine may be fat soluble, uh, and uh, if it's oh. if, if it's hydrophobic, it's gonna there's gonna be issues with absorption. So if you were to consume it with a fat, um, it would it no, would enhance hy hydrophobic. Hydrophobic means hydrophobic. it's it's like fearing Fear water. water. Correct. Yes. So okay. So. Um, yeah, if it's if it's and then if it's hydrophobic and, and it has issues with water, that tends to reduce a drug's ability to be absorbed. Now you can a lot of uh, you know you'll find a lot of uh, oral delivery systems for steroidal compounds are uh, they're in some sort of oil or or polymer that that can enhance the solubility because they tend to be uh, hydrophobic themselves. I'm trying to think of it. You know, you used to I don't think you see too many supplements anymore with this, but you used to see the DHE isomers. 
uh, and they'd have like an enanthate. Yeah, cyclodextrin, or they'd have an enanthate, and they'd be in a in a uh, gel capsule with a fat in there to uh, help the absorption. Uh, there's also a lot of research that you know s- said that if you eat that, you know, take them with a meal, that they're going to be absorbed better, and that's for that reason. Um, so yeah, I, I just pulled this up quickly online. I wasn't sure of it, Chris, but, uh, metrogenine is insoluble in, in, uh, in water. So I would assume that the, that may be true. The milk, the milk thing may enhance the solubility of it or, or taking. Well, that kind of reminds me of where you hear about people saying like they make, you know, they, they ate just straight up marijuana and they didn't get high, but they cooked it like on a baking sheet with oil or baked it in a brownie and then they got high as shit. Right. The fat solubility. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that enhances it. And then there's also another thing. Uh, I don't know too much about this, but I know that, uh, I believe for the THC to be orally available, you have to, it has to be heated to a certain extent to, I think it's to decarboxylate something on the THC molecule. And then that makes it more orally available. So, that's why the cooking of it will um, will allow it to be orally available. The other thing about kratom that I've always kind of wondered about, and I don't know if there is an explanation behind this, you know, you can't overdose on kratom because you'll get sick and throw up before you overdose. Correct. You that, yes. I, I do think there, if you do some searching, I think there's been some... Um, I don't know if there's been deaths associated with it, but I think most of the deaths associated with, with Kratom had a co-ingestion. So there was, you know, someone had a, uh, they were taking Kratom and then they took another drug with it. I, I, I know I read one where there was a, uh, I believe it was a gentleman who took, actually took Modafinil and Kratom together and ended up having seizures. Um, Jesus. Yeah. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's something that we should be aware of because these are two very popular compounds within this, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm yeah. glad I know it, that because I take CRL. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. <laughs> so it's something to be cautious of. And then um, also there's some effects of Kratom, uh, you know, taking it with other sedatives or something can really, um, you know, like we were talking about before, enhancing each other. Uh, it, it'll uh, potentiate the effects of each other, which will which will make, you know, the Kratom stronger and that sedative you're taking stronger. So you could really get yourself into some trouble uh, mixing Kratom with things. So you really want to be... Uh, aware of the interactions of, of how, you know, like I said, we don't understand a tremendous amount about Kratom, but the information we do, um, you want to just take a look and say, okay, well, I'm taking something that's going to affect my mu opioid or my, my opioid receptors and some of my monoaminergic receptors. Um, okay. If I take this other thing, is it doing the same thing? Is it going to interact with what that, what that, what that is doing? Um, it's a more difficult space because, uh, like I said, we don't know that much and, you know, you can't really go to a doctor and say, Hey, what can I take with my Kratom? Yeah, but that's definitely, uh, definitely a caution there. You want to be careful mixing it with stuff. And, and like you said, yeah, there's a safeguard, uh, where if you take a lot of it, um, you're just going to get sick and start throwing up, but you also want to be careful. You don't want to take too much of it. You don't want to be in a situation where you may cause an issue for yourself. I think with Kratom, you know, you need to not do it every day of the week, you know, just do it like three days of the week. That way you don't gain like a huge tolerance. Cause I, I find if you do just three or four days a week at a lower dose, there, there's really not much of a safety issue at all. But I've heard of people that stay on it for extended amount of time. Um, some, some like sexual issues, you know, uh, not necessarily erectile dysfunction, but they don't have like their normal sexual appetite. Makes yeah. That, I mean, that's that, that, Unfortunately, that can happen with a lot of uh, drugs of abuse. Um, 
I don't know the exact pathway and what's happening without doing some research, but um, you'll find that, you know, in certain abusing certain drugs, you'll end up uh, damaging your sex drive. Um, I don't think it's, uh, you know, hormone level related. Uh, I, I would, I would guess it's probably more of a, a dopamine related issue. Uh, if you're on a, you know, dopamine is your reward neurochemical. Um, and if you're on a compound that's increasing dopamine all the time and all of a sudden you stop and your dopamine drops off, it's probably going to be, uh, you're not going to get quite as much satisfactions from satisfaction from things, uh, because you're, you're going to downregulate dopamine receptors and dopamine production. And, uh, it's going to take a little while to get back to where you were. I wouldn't expect it to be an ongoing issue. Um, but, but it very well could be. Um, and like you said, you know, it, these are part of the things about, uh, using it all the time. You're, you're, you're going to be in a higher risk for addiction. For people that are having those issues like that, you know, and they've over abused it and having dopamine issues and everything would taking something like, you know, how they say, you know, if you use big doses of trend, you need to take something for your dopamine levels, like, uh, what is it? Pramiplexal or whatever. What I'm asking is like, could taking something like Pramiplexal help those people? Cause obviously our main point of this whole podcast is provide information and help people, you know? Sure. Now, now I think that, um, so if you have, if, if the issue is, like I said, if it was something that was dopamine related or serotonin related, um, there's some options. I, I really like taking things like precursors to those compounds. Like you could take something like, uh, uh, you could take, you know, again, everybody's going to react differently. I don't, re it's, it's funny. I don't react too well to L-DOPA, but L-DOPA is a precursor to dopamine. Some people love it. Um, but I just don't react well. If I take a further step back and take a further precursor to dopamine, uh, something like L-tyrosine, um, then that I have tremendous results from that. Um, yeah. and again, the same with, um, 5-hydroxytryptophan. If I find, you know, um, if I find to be down, you know, if I was taking a compound that was increasing, you know, serotonin, dopamine, I, you know, you can have a, you have a down period or a hangover after that. I, I find myself taking 5-hydroxytryptophan, which is a precursor to serotonin. And it really helps me to, you know, get back to, to where I was and, and to build up that, uh, endogenous supply. Um, again, again, yeah. the same thing goes with those. Um, I mean, tyrosine, probably not so much, but, um, the, uh, five hydroxytryptophan directly converts to, uh, serotonin. Um, so you wouldn't want to, unless you wouldn't want to take that for too long. It's one of those things where I take for, for a, sh a certain period of time, cycle it on, cycle it off just to kind of get my, get things running smoothly again. And, uh, Again, you could take a look at any of these precursors. I mean, there's some nootropics and stuff. You could go further down the rabbit hole, um, but then that's going to be a little more like uh, pharmacological uh, warfare, you know, I and mean, it's going to take a little more planning yeah. and uh, research and stuff like that. Um, one thing that comes to mind uh, is an interesting compound I haven't tried yet is uh, bromantane. I don't, have you ever tried that? Is that the russian yes it's a russian uh, compound uh like an pathogen or something like that yes kind of it's a it's a it's a it's an I, I believe they describe it as an atypical psychostimulant so it's a stimulant but it doesn't act in the manner of the classic stimulant but it also apparently i believe i'm again i'm not going by anything i'm going off of memory so don't quote me on this but i'm pretty sure it, it enhances uh 
dopamine receptor uh, density. And, um, and it's also a, a bit of an anxiolytic as well, which reduces um, anxiety. So, um, you know, something like that may, again, I haven't tried it, but something like that may be very useful uh, in the nootropic realm. Hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. And again, I, that would take some more research and stuff like that. I'm not necessarily recommending it, but these are just, these are things that you could utilize. There's a lot of stuff out there that could really help, uh, you know, kind of bring someone's balance back to, to level playing ground. And then I think that also just a, a standard, um, you know, if you're up at a high dose and you're taking it all the time, you just start to simply reduce the dose and cut it down to, you know, a lower dose per day and then maybe skip a day and then skip another day. And then before you know it, you know, you're just taking it a couple times a week and it becomes uh, much easier to manage uh, how much you're taking and, and the side effects from it. I just don't, I just wouldn't suggest someone get off of a cold Turkey if they've been on it. No. Yeah. Amount of times. I know that Kratom withdrawals, if you've been on it for several months, every single day on high doses, Kratom withdrawals is no joke. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Like we said, you know, it does act on that opioid receptor and it will give you uh, withdrawals if you, you can become addicted to it and, and you uh, will get withdrawals if you are addicted to it. So I, like you said, uh, the best practice I believe is cycling and uh, you know, don't take it uh, more than three to four days a week. Try not to take it two days in a row. Dude, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking to us about this. And um, like I said, I know you got a, busy ass schedule just like i do but it'd be great to get you on a full episode of course man i mean you're just like a, a walking encyclopedia of <laughs> compound knowledge yeah man we have to, we'll have to i want to uh i think i mentioned in the past we should do a, a pro hormone episode that'd be cool we not too many people oh, talk no, about no, them anymore awesome. and I, I love those you know <laughs> yeah i mean i tell you what i gave gaspari a shitload of money when I was in high school, buddy. <laughs> I think we all did, yeah. <laughs> I was popping, uh, what was it, uh, popping one ADs like they were M&Ms. Yep, yeah, they had, they had one, one AD was from Patrick Arnold at, uh, I think it was Ergo Farm, and then and then Gaspari came out with, uh, they had the, well, that was later on, way later on, Gaspari came out with Haladrol, and that was, you know, that people went crazy over that. But, uh, yeah, and I think I'm, Haladrol came out. Did Haladrol come out after Superdrol? I think it did. Superdrol came out first. I think, I think so. I think so. Because I think they marketed the shit out of that one. Yeah, yeah. It was probably... <laughs> All the bodybuilding magazines. Oh, yeah. Stuff. I remember uh, I bought two, hundreds of hundreds of dollars worth of pro hormones from bodybuilding.com, like right before one of those bands or something. I still have some of them in my closet. <laughs> I mean, dude, I remember buddies of mine taking several of those things all at once and man they'd grow like a pair of like sweet tits overnight and be like looking there have like you know prolactin issues and stuff oh yeah like man that. they were yeah they were serious they were no joke a lot of them were just designer steroids you know we just called them pro hormones but <laughs> yeah dude thanks for the half hour of your time of course man, man. i uh, appreciate you coming on and talking to everybody awesome scott thanks for having me man all right see you okay, bye. all right there y'all go the kratom podcast uh, I want to thank my good friend, biochemist Chris Ward, for coming on and dropping some knowledge uh, based on actual science. Again, check out his website, radical-research.com. And I also want to thank uh, today's sponsors for the show, uh, Coastline Kratom and Absorb Health. Whenever you guys support them, you help support this podcast and make all of this possible. You guys have an awesome day. We'll talk to you all soon.